0: Welcome to the Membership Machine Show, talking you through your membership website from initial idea all the way to finished product. Here's your host, Jonathan Denwood.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the Membership Machine Show. This is episode 51. Unfortunately, I don't have my normal co-host, Carmen, um, but I've got uh, another friend of the show. He was here last week. I've got Kurt with with me that also is my normal full-time um, co-host for the WP Tonic Show. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing how your service business can move to a membership model. Um, I think a lot of people, it's one of the main things that drives them into the online membership area. Also, I think continue, um, I've got a lot of people that work with WP Tonic um, that are in the continuing educational sector as well. And they've been highly um, successful in that area. So we'll probably touch upon that during the discussion. So Kurt, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers?
0: Absolutely, Jonathan. My name is Kurt Von Annen. Uh, I run an agency called Manana No Mas. We focus on membership and learning websites. And I also work directly with WP Tonic and Lifter LMS. That's
1: fantastic. Um, should be a fabulous discussion, folks. But before we go into the main meat and potatoes of the show, I've got a couple messages from our major sponsors. We will be back in a few moments, folks.
0: Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today.
1: We're coming back, folks. I just want to point out, got some fabulous deals from the major sponsors. Plus, I got a curated list of the best WordPress plugins, specifically aimed if you're building a membership buddy boss website. Um, all the plugins that we recommend, we utilize at WP tonic. So they're all being tested. Save you a load of time scrolling the internet, trying to find the best solution. You can get all these goodies by going over to wp-tonic.com slash deals, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and you get all the goodies there. What more could you ask for? Probably a lot more, but that's all you're going to get from that page. Sorry to disappoint. I don't think you're going to be that disappointed. It is a good page. Um, (laughs) so, So, the title of the show is how... Your service business can move into a membership model and you're the perfect guest for this topic because you've got some extensive experience based on your own experience in this area. Because you've got extensive, your business experience is in the training service area and then you have morphed into helping be, people build membership sites but you've also got your own um yeah. so I thought you would be the perfect special guest to discuss this so how do you, what how would you introduce the listeners and viewers to this subject kurt I'm going to throw it over to you cuz you're the expert really
0: yeah you know there's there's a couple of different things that we have to consider when we talk about services versus membership jonathan and that is some would say, well, what's, you know, what's wrong with offering services to clients? What's wrong with offering the service or being that person that does the work? And honestly, there's nothing wrong. Um, you have to become a subject matter expert somehow through some experience. And so, you know, I have decades of experience in running power sports, dealerships. I've worked in aviation, marine, motorcycle, um, automotive. And so that experience is what gives me the ability to combine that with some web knowledge and then offer these membership products in that way. But you have to recognize that when you are offering a service, you are definitely exchanging your time for dollars. You are you are definitely locked into I can do this in 5 hours it's going to cost you $1000 or whatever the deal is, right, for consulting or or whatever direct person to person. Once you put it into a membership framework, something that's online I'm not going to say passive because I don't really believe in passive income in that way because I think everything needs maintained and moderated and, and all that stuff. But you have more control over your time and its distribution to the clients on a wholesale basis, which I think basically multiplies your time, if you want to call it that.
1: Yeah, I totally, I, I really dislike this passive income. I think it's to some extent, it's nonsense. What would have been a much better metaphor for this is from instead of one-to-one, you, you're getting one-to-many um, and because you're utilising the same benefit from being a sole entrepreneur to having a team, but instead of the team, the team is replaced by the membership website. so. That's why you have a team in, you know, in a service orientated business because that enables you to serve more clients.
0: Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, in practice, yes, I have membership examples, but I use a good, better, best pricing strategy, which is adds a level of complications we can discuss later if, if we get the time. But, you know, The membership is one thing, but then there's like this hybrid example where you still can offer people, you know, coaching, group coaching or one-on-one coaching, but all of that comes at, you know, um, extending the price, right? And generating more margin for yourself. And so there's really great ways to really take advantage of your expertise in a membership model, which is much more advantageous than driving state to state and visiting clients.
1: Oh, I actually think um, a lot of people jump in to building the membership website too early. I think, actually, if you've got a service business, uh, uh, just you know, online or regional or in your town, I think it's much better to try and build um, to do the first step online is to either do one to one consultations or do group consultations at different price points and then get to know. What are the key um, pain points that you could answer in a membership syllabus? Um, because a lot of people, they just jump into building the membership site without what I've just outlined. And they're just making educated guesses about what are the key pain points. And sometimes that they're right, but a lot of the time they're wrong. That's why I also constantly beating the drum that you shouldn't build what I've called the war to peace first course scenario where you throw in the literally the kitchen sink in trying to offer value, which is understandable, but you're just making one educated guess on top of another educated guess on top of another educated guess guess. instead of getting your first small group of students through the course and then offering them a substantial discount, but then saying, I'm going to ask you to fill in a survey. I'm going to have a one-to-one Zoom with you, which I'm going to record after you've done the course to find out what was effective and what wasn't. So many people, they spend a year building a course out without even getting their first student in. I know I've just gone on a little bit of a rant, but what's your response to what I've just said? Uh,
0: I agree. I've made the mistake myself. So I I think that's part of the the key to my success in working in, in the WordPress space, Jonathan, is just being so willing to admit when I screw it up and then let people learn from my mistakes. I've done that. I've built the giant nightclub that nobody wanted to come and dance at. You know, hundreds of hours of development and animations and colors and you make it look awesome and then no one's there. You know, you, it's attracting the users is, is difficult. So to your point, if you start out with some, you know, online training, some Zoom consultations, maybe it turns into a mastermind. You start to record the interactions of that peer-to-peer training that's happening in that group. And to your point, identify the pain points that help kind of give you that, that, that roadmap of why are people in here and what are they really discussing? And then that gives you the outline to build your syllabus.
1: So, what do you? I I think, I think obviously there's going to be a bit of overlap with the key points that I've listed for this conversation. So, I've got the next point I've got is the advantages of switching to a membership. I think we've touched on it a little bit, but can you can you give your own synopsis based? What do you see as some of the big benefits of the model?
0: if if i were to compare my training example to a competitor's training example in the power sports area and uh, and i love this guy that i'm comparing myself to so if he listens to this this is not a cut on him he's great at what he does but he travels dealer to dealer to dealer and consults with dealers in person and and i understand that having that relationship and that handshake and that eye contact i understand that it has value but with my membership model i'm able to bring in 5 10 15 dealers at a time you know even if it's fractional revenue I'm able to bring those in in numbers put them into group training group consulting uh, we can do homework we have consultations once a month so I'm actually getting more touch points with the client on a because I meet them every month than my competitor does seeing people once every 6 months right so I'm getting a higher touch point but I'm exposing myself to more clients at the same time which enables me to generate more revenue. And I think in today's world, we really have to look at how are we leveraging our time to generate revenue? And in this situation, um, a direct comparison, apples to apples, oranges to oranges, we're both training in the same field. We're training similar content. Um, sure, sometimes the dealers re- really like that personal touch of that in-person contact, but it's expensive. The travel's expensive and he can only stay at that dealership for one to two days at a time. And he's only there once every six months. Whereas if someone joins my membership example, they have access to the content 24-7, you know, 52 weeks a year. They've always got content. They've always got inspiration. They've always got resources. And they get the live contact with me once a month in their consultation calls. So it's actually a better value for the customer and it drives revenue for me.
1: And like you said before, I don't know in your own particular, but you can... Have the group discussions. You can have one to one online, or you can visit the dealer and those can be at for that physical. If they request it, but at different price points. So you're yeah. basically, um, giving more price options, more availability, um, to your knowledge that that is the power. What I think we do is we go. I was looking at these. If you're okay with this, Kurt, I think in the first half we're we'll blast through the um, key list I've got in front of myself and in front of you. And then maybe in the second half, if you're okay with it, Kurt, we'll talk about your own journey, what you've learned about building your own course, sure. why you decided to build it, what technology, you know, what key technologies you, you utilize to build your course and what, how you made that decision. How does that sound, Kurt? That's sure, it's fine. I'm in. Right. Um, so I think the listeners will learn a lot from that and viewers. Um, um so let's go on. Identify the opportunities. I think we've done that. So um the opportunities of moving the service to membership. Um Identify the most common elements that you so um is I kind of touched upon that. Um you know what are the most frequently asked questions that people when they're emailing you um if you're engaging one to one, write them down, record them because they they will be the key guide to um what you've got trying to achieve in your first membership solution uh, you know. You should start have some understanding based on your, you know, it doesn't have to be your work experience. This could be a hobby, um, that you've got experience in. Um, another sector that a lot of people have success is in the continuing education market yeah. uh, with emphasis on medical, but not, not solely. I've got a couple clients that got thousands of, um, Students that have gone through that are in the continuous education. It's a. I was looking up um, in Google, and there was one report um, that regularly came up, and it says that the market and it's reaching out to two thousand twenty eight, which I have some slight problems with because I'm not even sure we, any of us are going to be around in twenty twenty eight. Uh, but it says that by twenty twenty eight. I don't know why they chose 2028, though. Um, the market in continuous education is going to be almost $4.23 billion in the U- in the North America. So it's a pretty substantial market, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think the trick is to figure out, you know, how big is your piece of that pie? You know, what what role can you fill if you have a, a membership idea How would you put that into place? And and to your point, what elements would you offer in that membership example? And how would you generate revenue from it, right? In a day where people can get free training on YouTube, you have to figure out how you would package your information in a way that customers and students want to procure it. And I like the idea of the continuing education because it's mandatory training for a lot of students, right? Organizations will mandate the training and then you're the provider and, and they funnel people right to you
1: yeah but i think the thing we got is i think the opportunity is, is that you can give you can draw people in from some youtube videos and then you can offer some training that gets them ready to take the continuous education, because um i don't know you probably have more knowledge because of your association with Lifter nms is that um you got, you got certain resources that you take that will go, go against your, the hours that, um, that you have to do to get your continue education credential. Yeah. But then to do that, you, you normally have to go to some board or some, uh, authority to get your course. Yeah. See I'm accredited. To be accredited, and there's a quite a few. There's a few loops depending on each industry, but you could start building um, income and recognition before you go to that step. I think that's quite achievable. Would you agree with that? I would. I would. I, I can think of a couple of uh, course creators right offhand
0: that have built an entire presence online with course preparation you know, where they prepare people to, to test out for certification in certain industries, whether that be the medical field for nursing or uh, mortgage brokerage or, you know, something along those lines. I just worked on a project God, halfway through this year that was based in real estate that was helping people with not the realtors, but the people that process the paperwork for the realtors, you know, and it was a whole thing. It was a uh, take this course, we'll prepare you how to take the test and get your certification.
1: Yeah, I think there's a whole group of people that have built a highly successful membership websites on that. And the beauty of it is they're always changing the syllabus, the guiding panels or organizations. They're always changing it because things do change. But they do have, in my opinion, they have a habit of changing and because it means that people, you know, have to continue, well, legally, a lot of the time, they have to anyway. But um, so, in my experience, they're always changing the requirements. So, there is always a need for these people to keep their membership with you, keep so they don't unsubscribe because churn is one of the major, every business model, folks, has its own challenges. Um, if it's all easy, we would all be successful in business. The truth is, most businesses fail in in between two and five year, one year or five years, um, because it isn't easy. Um, but this model, you normally your churn is less of a problem. Would you agree with that? I do, I
0: do. You got to consider all of it, and that's why some of the elements that we mentioned. Sometimes people will hear you and I mention. You know, the courses, or we'll mention the social aspects like Buddy Boss, or we'll mention, and it's because those different elements can add that stickiness that helps you reduce the churn, but you have to have a community or a tribe that has an appetite for whatever those tools are. So you kind of have to sample it. You know, each, each, I find that each of these communities is a little different. Yeah.
1: Cause we like, we talk about community, We're not we're just not talking about it just for the sake of it, folks. Well, the reason why we mention it is one of the main. It's one of the main methodologies um, that you can utilise to reduce churn, um, and you know, keeping your syllabus up to date. Community gamification to some extent. I'm not sure about gamification. Um, I think that's more about encouraging, Well, I suppose it does reduce to, and because the other main factor that everybody that's got any experience running a membership site is encouraging the actual students to finish the course, and um, and normally um, most people that are running a membership, not always they don't have to, and it doesn't apply always, but a lot of the time there's a money back um, guarantee period, and. Um, a lot of people, depending on the scenario, um, they bail out, they ask for a refund. And that's one of the reasons why people look at Game of Foundation and all the other things that we discuss on this show that Kurt discusses as well on his own podcast. Um, would you agree with that? You know, yep. it's all about completion and trying to reduce churn really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you got to keep people in. And that's why offering those office hours and those group calls and all those things really extend to a property's success. You know, once you put your personality to it and you give people a a live face or voice to connect with, it seems like you get that stickiness and you get a higher percentage of course completion. Um, If you just throw up a course and there's no support for that course, very few people are going to complete it. I
1: think another area... Is, you know, you got you gotta reflect back, you know, what would you have liked to have known um if you had been starting your bit your own business? Um, what would what would have been the key things that had been if they had been communicated to you at the early stages that you know known about? And that's what you should be providing to your particular niche in your membership. Um What advice. And you you can combine that with continuous education, you know, by offering a module, things you need to know if it's aimed at a particular part of the course is aimed at new people entering the profession or the thing that the continuous education is focused at. And I think that's quite popular. What's your own views about that, Kurt? The more you can prep the user or the more that...
0: The more that you don't assume that your student already has base knowledge, the more success you're going to have. Um, for instance, uh, I once was uh, mentoring some young people and one of them said he was going to quit his job. He had a, a hands-on job. And he was going to quit his job and go into business management. And I said, well, that's awesome, Dougie. You know, um, if that's what you want to do, man, that's great. I said, so, so what does that look like for you? What are you going to do? And he goes, well, I'm going to manage businesses. I said, okay, I get that. You went for business management. You want to manage businesses. So what are you going to do? And he goes, well, we'll manage. And I said, no, what would a day in the life of a business manager look like? And that's when it hit like a ton of bricks, Jonathan. He had no idea what he was signing up for. And so uh, at the time, I worked across the street from Intel and I had some friends that worked in HR at Intel. And I made arrangements for Dougie to go spend the day at Intel and see what business managers do for a living. And He came back to work
1: the next day, and he said, "Yeah, I'm not quitting. I don't want to because no, it's a day. continuous stream of problems that other people's balls ups and other people's things. You become the money's probably if you get you get successful in it, folks. It, 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 like anything in life, you know, hopefully you're getting fina- considerable financial benefit. But fundamentally, you're a glorified babysitter.
0: Yeah. Uh- well." <laughs> But the point of that story, Jonathan, is, you know, nobody took the time to even give him a preamble of what it would look like to follow that pathway, right? And so without that, he could have spent four years in school and and went into debt to figure out he was training for a job he would hate. And I I think sometimes our online communities make that same mistake. We make a lot of assumptions about the skill set or the knowledge that our users are coming to our sites with. And I think we need to get more basic. I think we need to, you know, treat things from the from the start all the way up, and and then and make it simple. Stop trying to make ourselves look smart, you know, by making them look stupid. Let's help them where they're at and get them to the next step.
1: I think another area, and this is an original. I'm getting this from uh, the startup community, folks, and the person that I heard it from first was um, a friend of the show, or. uh, Rob Rowling of, um, the podcast Startups for the Rest of Us. And he said it a couple of times and I memorized it. And you really want to apply this to your, if you, if you're you're trying to move some of your business from solely service to a service membership mixture. And that's, it's what he says, um, a pain, uh, pain problem or, a which is an aspirin, aspirin problem or a vitamin problem, aspirational course. There are people that are successful where their focus is aspirational in their course. You know, Join my course and I will show you how to get to ABC. A, you know, and you can end up like me, right? Um, I think you've got to have a certain amount of creep history, success, or I say that, there's a few people that have no history of success in any shape or form but they still manage it. Um, but I think more if it's your first gig or your first entry into the space, folks, I think the um, aspirin, the pain, solving a pain or a need in your membership course is a, a more guarantee of success because it's the same in the startup field. Um, that's what Rob say, said a few times and he's been on another podcast I do, which um, like I said, Kirk is my regular co-host for that. Would you agree with what Rob outlined that? Because I'm not trying to claim it myself somehow. am oh, right. quite clear that I got it from him. I've
0: actually been through a couple of Rob's books. I find him to be a, a pretty great communicator. Um, that SaaS playbook that he recommended to us on that last show we did with him was a really good piece. And and to your point, selling on the pain point is always has a greater sense of urgency than aspiration. So a sense of urgency causes someone to buy now and aspiration causes someone to think about it for the future. And so it depends on if you're playing the short game or the long game. Right, but if you're if you're in it to to turn revenue quickly and to get get started and get moving and get some paying clients, you want to be you want to be curing pain points,
1: and that's why it is because that's linked to what we've said earlier in this first half of the show, folks. That's why it's a good idea to do some one to one consultation online using Zoom or some other um, teleconference platform. And then doing small group um, consulta- consultation before you start building out a bigger course, or you can just build a, But even if you were building a, what I call a micro course, which then you can utilize as a lead magnet. Um, it's one of the things I recommend, but it's finding out those pain points and then constructing because i I waffle on um well, it's not only waffling is it it's a real peculiarity with me. um we were doing an interview uh yesterday it was yesterday actually folks time this week has just gone and um i I've got this terrible habit of putting five ideas in one question, and I'll get this very puzzled look from the interviewer, which i it's totally Kirk pointed out to me. And you're totally right, because I put this poor guest, I put about five questions in one piece, and I? And I consistently do that, don't I, Kurt? And then you say, tell me what you think about what I've just said to you. It's <laughs> okay. No, but I don't know but that's a peculiarity, but I I um that's one of the reasons um on our show, which is an interview-based show, folks, it's really quite good, even though I, I say it. Um is that I now write out the questions and I just don't solely do that for the guests uh, benefit I actually do it for my own to try and because I was doing that much much more regularly Kurt actually and before I wrote out the key topics because I just went on a bit of a on a journey basically all right um I think I think we're going to go via break now, folks. So when we come back, we're going to be discussing the Pacific journey that Kirk has gone, because he's from a service background and a managerial. um, He's got enormous experience in the motor industry, motorcycle, motorsport industry, and then he became a, a manager with a top multi international company. And then he's gone freelance and he's built his own membership. And I think it's gonna be fascinating to learn what what technology decided upon and what he has learned from his own journey, building out his own own membership business. Um, I think you're gonna get enormous benefit from that, listeners and viewers. So we're gonna be back in a few moments, folks. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS, the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to LifterLMS.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's PODCAST20. Enjoy the rest of your show. We're coming back, folks. We've had a good discussion. I think I've, with Kirk's help, I've managed to keep on subject. Uh, Takes a lot. I rely on Kirk's honesty and trying to control my madness. Um, Before we go into the second half of the show, um, I just want to point out, if you're looking to build your membership Buddy Boss Community website on WordPress, and I think honestly that you should do. It gives you the degree of ownership and what I call digital sovereignty that you really need in 2023. Why don't you look at becoming a WP Tonic, um, hosting your website on WP Tonic and being part of our great family? We, I think we offer the best value for money for Pacific hosting design for membership and community website. Plus we've got a great support team. Plus we offer a very long list of premier WordPress plugins and other features, which which is too long to list in this segment of the show, because I don't want to bore you to tears, listeners and viewers. But just, I think when Kirk started working with me, he just said, I can't believe this, Jonathan, this is a, this is too much value at the price you're asking. Um, if that sounds interesting, why don't you go over to wp tonic.com, see what we got to offer, and you can book a chat normally with me. Um, the um, link to that's right in the top navigation on the website. We love, like I say, we love you to become part of the family. Right, Kurt. So, what led. To the decision. Let's start at the beginning. What, what, I don't know how many courses you have built out for yourself, but um, I'm presuming that at some stage in the last couple of years, you decided to build out your own course. What, what made, what was the main driver to doing that? And I would imagine you were looking at various solutions in your tech tech stack uh maybe you can give an outline about that journey or not I'd, i'm just presuming what i've just asked
0: yeah you know it's kind of a flashback to when i was a guest on your podcast what was that three years ago i think oh jesus um, yeah, I, I'm a, um I worked in the automotive industry as an employee at different dealerships to get my start and so i worked as a service writer service manager service director. And through that experience and working at multiple brands, multiple dealerships, I gained a lot of experience in how those operations were run. And truth be known, Jonathan, I hated it. I hated what I did. And uh, out of frustration, I wrote a book, published a book. And after I published that book, it was a mental exercise for me. I didn't think people were going to buy it. People did. And um, it changed the trajectory of my family. It took me from... An employee at the dealership level to a recognized expert in the field, which I wasn't expecting when I did that. That was not the goal. It's, I'm happy that's what happened, but that wasn't the intention. So, um.
1: Oh, you don't it, mind? I don't want to go off on a tangent. I've just yeah. interrupted, but can you give a brief outline? Because it's, uh, it's a thing. How did you get the book? Was it self published? Self published. What, what was the. Can you give you a quick outline of the process of. The idea and actually doing it and getting it published, or should yeah. we or should we not go down there? Because we probably we could probably fill a whole show with that journey, could we? I, I, I've interrupted, but if you don't want to go down that, I understand.
0: Well, without going into too much detail, there are a lot of options for self-publishing now, and when I did this in two thousand seven, there were not, and so I basically wrote it in Word. Saved it as a PDF, loaded it up to a print-on-demand service, and you know, put a price tag on it and put it on eBay. And uh, I was shocked; people started buying it. But it was in a very, it, you know, automotive repair is a niche, right? It's very, it's a, it's a very niche down uh, area. So people started to buy it. Well, one of the people that bought it was a trainer at Ducati motorcycle company. Um, that company reached out to me and said, "Hey, will you write us a course?" I said, sure, I did. I had no idea how to do it at the time, but I I wrote the course and, um, you know, I had worked for the Motorcycle Safety Foundation as an instructor. I had my own road racing school, you know, so I understood how to teach, but I never really wrote a curriculum from scratch. Um, But I wrote it for Ducati and I said, okay, I don't know how this works. Do I sell it to you now or what? Because now it's done. And uh, they were shocked and they said, well, we don't have anyone to teach it. Would you be willing to teach it? I said, okay. And then they said, we don't have anyone to run the events. We want to teach all these events in in Las Vegas. Would you be willing to host the events in Las Vegas? So then I became an event coordinator. So I was an event coordinator, a trainer, a publisher. All of this stuff happened through this one experience with this one customer. And by that, you were building your
1: relationship with Ducati.
0: Exactly. And so I became a contracted uh, trainer and content provider for that company for the next four or five years. And then finally a position opened up internally and they hired me away from myself. So they hired, I was running Manana no Mas back in 2008, but they hired me away from Manana no Mas and I worked directly for them for about the next five years. And then I went to Suzuki, which is a much bigger company, and I ran their training and publications
1: department. Well, it was, but am I not? Um, it's it it was at, bit, at, yeah. at the time that you were, because... Um, now, Ducati's part of the Volkswagen Audi empire, yeah, is Yeah, that's huge. It's still,
0: um, Volkswagen, from a, a culture standpoint, they believe in a thing called brand sanctity. So, they allow Ducati to still run as an independent, not really under the, it's in the, on the, it's in the umbrella, but it runs as its own thing. Um, whereas, when I went to Suzuki, it was huge in comparison, and I was in charge of automotive, marine, and motorcycle. Now, I'm giving you all this background to say that both companies, both Ducati and Suzuki had e-learning examples for technicians to train technicians, uh, both virtually, and then they had a hybrid example where you would run workshops in person to basically validate that technicians knew what to do. And I was amazed at what those companies spent on training, Jonathan. You know, custom learning platforms and custom designs and... And, uh, you know, we refer to it as SCORM content and XAPI and GrassBlade in, in our circles. But in, in in those circles, it was just, you know, e-learning packages. And they would pay people tens of thousands of dollars to author a class, you know, in that authoring tool. And so when I would look at the budgets, which I was privy to in those positions, uh, I was kind of awestruck. I was like, there's a lot of money in this training. Like, there's a lot going on here. So. I started focusing on, is there a way for me to do this more independently? Is there a way? Because corporate was very difficult to steer the ship. Way too many decisions by committee. Things didn't get done quickly. Dealers weren't getting their needs met. At least I felt that dealers weren't getting their needs met quickly enough because they couldn't change direction quickly enough. And I thought, how could I run something more nimble, more affordable, and, um, and have more ownership of it? you know, instead of having to rely on a vendor to to make me a custom platform. And that's when I started looking at, at Word. I looked at a bunch. So I looked at Moodle. Uh, I think Kajabi was just coming out then. Uh, WordPress had a couple of examples out. Lifter LMS was one of them. Um, and I just, I sampled a bunch and I ended up on Lifter LMS. And when I had a problem, the owner of Lifter LMS reached out directly via email to help me. That was Chris Badgett, you know, and I and I thought, how many companies are going to have the owner reach out to a client to help? No, there's no many. Yeah. And so they, so they won my business. That was it. So I've been with Lifter LMS since, and my tech stack is very similar to what you discuss, you know, with your other co hosts on the show. Um, you know, I've got an LMS that's plugged into WordPress. I plug in a CRM so I can manage my contacts. Uh, I have a scheduling tool and I do uh, live hosted segments that I embed in my website. So, that could be a Zoom embed, that could be a Whereby, that could be a Jitsi, you know, some kind of tool that that allows me
1: to do that. And that's my tech stack, Jonathan, and I've been able to build... Well, Jitsi, you were wondering, because I, I just throw this at Kirk. He deals with my bad. And so I'm quite creative in some ways, But oh, it, 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 it can be a bit bonker as I call it. That's a word. That's another habit, listeners and viewers. I create my own words, and I want them. And... Um, yeah, and that's old oh, Jitsi, and you say, What what's this Jitsi feed? But it's not too bad, actually, is it? It's quite good no, solution.
0: No, and the, the the picture quality is really good in Jitsi. That's what I really like. It doesn't get all pixelated and faded out, you know, like some others do when you're
1: 'cause Zoom you're Zoom's fantastic as well, but they it's like it's it kind of linked into what I just said about digital ownership and digital sovereignty. Zooms are great. It, Zoom's had some problems about its attitudes around security and privacy. And if somebody in the medical field or the counselling or in some very private consultation, I think there's some security concerns about utilising Zoom. The other thing is it's such an enormous company, folks, and um, that um, they can just decide to change direction and it can be very inconvenient for a certain group of their users because those that are embedding conference a Zoom conference on their web page is a small user base of the main product and they've changed the way that you can actually utilize Zoom for that purpose and they've made it a bit painful to get it all set up um, especially if you're very un-technical, un-te- we can help you at WP Tonic in that. But in general, it's become a lot more painful about getting the initial setup done. After that, it's not too bad, but it's just the initial setup, and that's just a pure. That's a very good example of is when you're on a, a SaaS based platform and you rely on it totally. Their business needs can very quickly changed to what you really need. Um, Sorry to interrupt there. I was, hopefully I didn't go off too long there, but so you decided on your stack and it was going to be Lifter LMS. So what's some of the key things that you learn on the journey of building out this course structure for yourself then?
0: I learned a couple of really key things, Jonathan, and that is, you know, if someone had the patience to listen to the last 15 minutes, um, they heard that, you know, I worked with technicians directly, I managed technicians, and then I went to the corporate level that managed all the dealerships. I managed all of those companies, you know, all of their publications and training materials. And then I went independent. So part of my problem was that war and peace thing that you talked about. I started amassing this content that I was going to release you know, on my own and be this wonder thing, you know, in the industry, and um, and I also made some pretty bad assumptions. I thought that because of my previous roles in power sports and at the OEM level, knowing most of the people in the game, you know, at least that that I would that would be my customers. I thought, well, I'll have to beat them off with a stick. I mean, as soon as they hear that I've got a product available, they're going to jump all over it. And so I wasn't too concerned about SEO or marketing or even. The quality of my copy. I mean, I knew I was putting out great content in the learning areas, but I wasn't overly concerned about headlines and landing pages and forms because I made an assumption that I would have an audience quickly. Um, and these are all very, very big mistakes. Very big mistakes.
1: So my advice... Well, I not beat, beat yourself because based on my experience, um, it's a story that I've heard very regularly, Kurt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you still have to demonstrate, like you just talked about with Rob Walling's quote, you know, are you the aspirin or are you the vitamin? And who is your target audience? I realized a year into my project that I wasn't even targeting the right people. I was targeting the people that I would train, but those people weren't gonna pay me. It's their bosses that would have to hire me to train them. So I was making all this content, talking to service writers and service managers in the field, but it didn't matter because they weren't making the buying decision. So it it I, there was a lot to learn and and now that I work directly in an area where I teach other people how to find success in these platforms, I'm very direct with what's your minimal viable product? You know, what can we do to get you going quickly and then get you, you know, 10 to 25 paying customers so that you can develop a product around a community. So that that's one. The other thing is, is you know, we have to do the basics in SEO and copy optimization. You can't make assumptions that you're just going to have an audience because you can't assume. Yeah, you have to treat the whole project like you are trying to attract new fresh eyes.
1: Well, I think, I don't know, looking back yourself, do you think you built a big enough community on the social network communities? Did you spend enough time building a network there, really, because, you know, you can build, you can, um, I've seen, I have not done it. I've got a, a reasonably focused newsletter list of about a thousand people. Yeah. Um. But I've noticed some really sweet people doing things really quite well with the, with the LinkedIn newsletter functionality. Yeah. About, do you think you should, you did enough on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on those to build up a community before you launched your course? Because I think a lot of people don't, which fascinates me, really.
0: What I have learned, Jonathan, and maybe you've experienced this too, you know, you and I never really had this conversation, but my podcast, for example, the Manana Nomás podcast, I almost just stopped doing it. I've been doing it for five years. I almost just stopped. But then I got a notice from Spotify that said, your listenership's gone up 33% this year, and you're in the top 15% for your category. And I was like, well, I'm doing something right. I guess I got to get back behind the microphone.
1: You know. Oh, I've got a fact here that might enlighten you a bit. I, I, I've interrupted. I'd keep doing this, I? but you do, you're, you're such a gracious individual. You don't get totally peeved off. Um, do you know the average podcast gets only 30 downloads a month? I didn't know that that was average. No. Yeah. What, what I found remarkable
0: and, and the first time that it's happened more than once now, but the first time it happened, it blew me away. I went to a dealership. I was trying to sell the general manager on our training services and the owner called. And, and so the general manager put him on speakerphone and the guy goes, you know, the owner says, Oh, is that guy here? You know, to talk about training. And the general manager goes, Yeah, Kurt's here. And he goes, Kurt, what's his last name? This is on speakerphone. I don't see the guy. And he goes, what's Kurt Von Annen? And he goes, is that, you mean Manana no Mas Kurt? Well, I had never heard that before in my life. So (laughs) I was like, what's going on here? And then he goes, he goes, whatever he says to do, just tell him yes and we'll write the check. I've been listening to that guy for three years. He really knows his S-H-I-T. And um, I was a little embarrassed, a little flabbergasted, a little overwhelmed, but super thankful in the moment that I did the work. I laid the groundwork and it paid off. But you never know when that's going to happen.
1: No, um, I've had exactly the same um, when I've gone to WordCamps or gone to like WordCamp Europe or Camp USA. Obviously, I'm English and I've got a London, East End, Essex boy accent. As soon as I people say, oh, is that Jonathan? Uh, um, Oh, WP Donnick. I have people all the time come up to me. And say, are you are you WP tonic? Uh um and one of the problems with podcasting is you don't get a lot of feedback. Other people seem to be getting much more and it um like I say, folks, if you've got any questions, we do this at normally around eight thirty uh on Fridays at eight thirty AM Pacific Standard Time. We're doing this a bit later because Kirk um my normal host uh, has unfortunately, um, for understandable reason, had to resign. Um, She will be sorely missed. Um, But um, there's no bad feeling between me and her. Um, So I'll be looking for a new co-host. So Kurt's going to help me out maybe for a couple of weeks, but maybe we'll have a new host next week. Um, But... um, is getting engagement. So, if you're around eight thirty AM Pacific Standard Time, subscribe to the WP Tonic YouTube channel. And uh, I know it's a little bit confusing, but it's the Membership Machine Show is part of the bigger family of WP Tonic um, podcasts. And go to the WP Tonic YouTube channel and subscribe there. And the benefit you get is if you join us live, you can ask us any questions about your membership site and we're we'll answering joining the show. So please join us live. Um, so get back to it. What do you think? You, do you think you could have built up more of a, a community and more of an audience before you built the course, really? I'm not certain where the gaps were.
0: And and I know that there's people that we've interviewed recently, Jonathan, that would be much more analytical at this than I, than I am. But, you know, is there plenty of content on YouTube? Yes. But is there the viewership there? No. So was that an SEO issue? Was that an advertising issue? I ran a couple of ads on Facebook. I didn't see much play there. Um, so then I went back to doing like lives on LinkedIn. And I'll tell you, um, this LinkedIn thing to me it seems to be like, you know, like yesterday's Facebook, yesterday's Instagram, there seems to be pretty good mojo on LinkedIn. And uh, I got the permission to go LinkedIn live last year and started really leveraging that space. And uh, I seem to be getting some more momentum there. But as far as mail lists go, I mean, I'm at like 9,000 people on LinkedIn. I've got uh, 6,000 people on another mail list uh, that's curated for my business uh, practices. and. um You know, you would think that would be enough to really grow, but, you know, you always want more.
1: So based on what we discussed in the first half and discussed during this second half, what, if you had known what we had discussed in this episode at the start of building out your own course, what would be the major differences What would be major things you would apply to your own course based on what we discussed during this episode? Well, for people listening
0: to this and wondering, how do I get out of the grind and do what these guys are doing, right? Because sometimes we talk and it just sounds like, yeah, that'd be nice if, right? But it's very, very actionable. You know, make get get yourself something that you can organize in. I use a remarkable two tablet, so everything's organized, but get your ideas on paper or in a tablet that you can organize and start putting together, to Jonathan's point, you know, answering those questions of what are the pain points that a potential audience or community would want feedback on, and then really identify where your strength is as a subject matter expert. And it could be a job, a hobby, like we said earlier in the podcast, but but you want to start kind of figuring out what are your strengths, how do those answer people's pain points, and then how would you build content around those subjects and then simplify it as much as possible for a minimal viable product and get started. If you keep talking about it and keep dreaming about it and keep talking about that book you're going to write someday, you're never going to write that book. You're never going to have that course. You're never going to have that site. You got to get started. And for a lot of people, having the LMS, you know, whether it's Learn Dash or, or LMS or, or whatever tool, um, having it and being able to put the syllabus in online and see it start to fill out the spaces, sometimes that's enough inspiration for a course creator to finish the product.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true. I've, I have even noticed, because Lyfter LMS and um, um, Kirk is one of the leading the facilitators, it's one of the great things of the um, Dash offers that at, um, if you buy into some of their premium products is they offer fabulous um, regular weekly uh, roundtable community sessions where you can bring up technical and basically they just don't support just the emphasis obviously is on um, lifter lms but they answer literally any kind of question um but um Um, to the best of their ability, taking in the demands that everybody's questions have to be answered during the session. But um, it's amazing the amount of people that turn up to those sessions that at lifter, and they've just sat on it for months and months and months and it's just, they just need that rod that to do those first steps to actually get on with it, don't they?
0: Yeah, it's it's just like anything else in life, Jonathan. It, if you're new to it, there's a learning curve. And when we do this for any length of time, we start to take it for granted. We forget where people were at when they got started. It's like being obese and then thinking, well, I'm going to be 190 pounds. And, and you can't go from o- obesity to 190
1: pounds. Well, right? you say that, um, you know, that two years ago, I was at 320 pounds. Yeah. But now, now I'm, I'm 200 pounds.
0: But it wasn't an, an overnight process, and and if you thought about it, if you go back to your three hundred pound Jonathan, it was overwhelming to think of what life would be like at two hundred pounds, right? Like like in that moment, he so had to just one day at a time.
1: Well, I actually, well, your yeah, you're right. But what actually spurred me is I, um, I had to go and see that I wasn't actually feeling that bad, but I went to the doctor about something else, and um, the doctor it was our oldish guy, and he was. Very, uh, uh, I would say rude, but he was uh, no nonsense. And uh, he said, "Oh, he said, he said, if you keep like this, you'll be dead in less than six years." Wow! And I said, "What do you mean? How do you know?" He said, "Oh, we've measured your, we've m- measured your throat, and that you know that you know your body mass, your your you're getting close to being morbid the beast. You're not going to live somebody your age. You're either going to have a stroke or a heart attack or, you know, or you're going to get diabetes too really bad and the outcomes aren't going to be very good, Mr. Denwood. He took your vitamin talk and turned it into a pain point talk. And I thought to myself, no, we're all in God's hands. You know, we like the delusion that we can control everything and the reality is that we control very little apart apart from our attitudes. Um I thought to myself, do I do I just want to die of a heart attack or get a stroke and be paralyzed or um get diabetes too? I not really. I need to change this. So so whatever outcome I achieved, I, I was up for it. So, and um, I only eat once a day, folks. Uh, I had to, I got into what is called intermediate fasting and I only have one meal a day and I walk five miles a day now, folks, which really helps. Being running your own business is extremely challenging mentally. Because it's a total roller coaster. You can have ups and downs in just one day. You you think you made really great progress in one week, and then on the Monday you're back you're back to square That's one important. again. Yeah, it's it's all over. It is extremely mentally challenging.
0: Um, yeah, you mentioned a really good point right there. And more advice I would give to people transferring from a service to a membership lifestyle is to journal it document it and basically record those snapshots and milestones along the way because those weeks that happen where you make no progress and you feel like a loser and you want to give up you can go back and look in your journal and go oh wait a minute yeah i was you know i was this low when i started now i'm up here i have made headway and you know that you'll continue to go forward if you just keep moving forward
1: yeah i know just to finish off folks um, when you if you when you start building, not if when you start building your first membership website, is that the progress will be much slower than you think. you're gonna you're going say to me, but when does progress when is you should give up? Well, the fact is most people give up too early because their assumptions, obviously one of the beauties of of what we talk about in this podcast podcast folks is that you can still be in full-time work and have the ability to build this up as a second source of income or as a journey to give up your main job, right? And it's totally plausible for you to do this. It's going to be a hard work, but it's totally doable. But the other, the thing i would say you, I would guide you on a Even though, as long as the progress, there is progress. It might be, it's probably going to be a lot slower than you think until you get to a certain point and then it will accelerate. But as long as you're making progress and you've got the financial means and commitment means to allow you to keep working, and as long as you're making steady progress, don't give up. It's when you're not making any progress for a, st- a substantial period of time and you've got no plan of action to change the model or to pivot. That, that term comes from startup culture again. Um, then I think you've got a problem because then you're probably flogging, as we would say in English, or London, you're flogging a dead horse, basically. Um, what what was your team the show? What was your own views with what I've just said, Kurt? On the money, hundred percent.
0: For me, constant moving forward is important, and it doesn't matter how fast or how slow. I just need to know that there's progress. As long as as long as I can demonstrate or or log or journal down some progress, I know I'm going in the right direction. And you know, you got to be patient. You got to sow enough seed that the harvest is big enough. And- you can't expect
1: it overnight. Well, I think it's been an excellent show, Kurt. I've really enjoyed this discussion. What's the best way for people to learn more about you your your and the experience you could offer them if you're looking to get one-to-one consultation about building a membership site? I think uh, a great resource would spend would be to spend a little bit of money with Kurt. So what's the best way to go over and find out more about you?
0: uh manana Nomas is the website and the podcast so manana Nomas, tomorrow no more and then uh linkedin as we mentioned earlier in the show is my jam uh, i'm the only kurt von on on linkedin so when you find me uh, you know you got the right guy just
1: hit the connection link and uh we'll get connected and we'll see how we can help each other that's fantastic and like what i said folks um Go to w, Go to YouTube and find the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel and then you'll be updated automatically when the next Membership Machine Show comes up. You can join us live then and you've got any membership questions you can ask them live. Plus, we've got a, a great Facebook community. It's the WP Tonic Membership Machine Show channel. You can join us there. Kirk's on there. I'm on there. Um you've got any questions, we've got a great mixture of WordPress professionals and people building membership websites on there. So it's a great community. Go and join us there. Uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Membership Machine Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and leave a rating to support the
1: show. Until next time.